Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of Doing the Work with Jay and Becca. It's time. We're diving into Lean Inside, Seven Steps for Personal Power, Jay's book. You want to follow us week by week as we go through all of the steps. See you in a few. Hi, I'm Jay Pryor, life coach, speaker, and author of Lean Inside, Seven Steps to Personal Power, a practical guide to transformation. My definition of transformation is chipping away at everything that is not your highest, best self. In our podcast, Doing the Work with Jay and Becca, we take on personal transformation to have you show up powerfully in your life and business. And I'm Becca Booth, marketing strategist focusing on strategy, sales, and social, and I'm the guinea pig. So I'm the one doing the work right along with Jay, and I'm the fresh face to it. So I'm still new at all of this stuff and learning along the way. So I'm ready to learn along with you. Listen to our podcast, and we know our commitment to you is that we leave you inspired, lifted up, and no matter what, knowing that you're on the right path as long as you're willing to take progress, not perfection, to create your life exactly the way you want it. All right, so here we go. Welcome to episode 11 of Doing the Work with Jay and Becca. We are super excited to uh, finally get to this point. We've had such great interviews and some really great coaching sessions. And now we are going to start walking through Jay's book, Lean Inside, Seven Steps to Personal Power, which I think everyone is going to really... um, enjoy because I think it's one of those things I've heard from other people that sometimes we're skipping over some things because we have such a shorthand with each other at this point that I think sometimes we don't go in depth enough about explaining sort of what the work is that we're doing. We sort of are able to work together (laughs) because we've been doing it so long. So I'm excited to sort of start at the beginning. Sure. And every kind of personal development work or, you know, every kind of even sometimes professions have their own shorthand, their own language. And part of doing this kind of work is knowing the language and getting getting some of the distinctions that uh, we use that have people to deepen their meaning. So, yeah, I think it'll be good. Yeah, awesome. So why don't we start at that place, at where you came from in terms of getting to the book even, um, learning a little bit more about your process of um, becoming a coach, but also how you came into this methodology. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I have to go back to, and in the book I start with, you know, who the hell is Jay Pryor and why should I listen to him, um, basically. And what happened was I have been doing personal development work essentially since I, since I was 18, um, when I was put into a psychiatric unit. So I was a suicidal teenager. That's one of the reasons that I am a huge stand for uh, the It Gets Better program, and that's how the It Gets Better program ended up doing my uh, doing the Dance Moms thing around suicide because I was a suicidal youth um, and ended up in a psychiatric unit at the age of 18. And I was 18, but emotionally pretty young. Uh, however, I was on the adult ward. And so here I was on this psychiatric unit with, uh, you know, 40-year-old schizophrenics and people with bipolar and uh, <laughs> depression, severe depression and people who had real-life problems, right? And I was an 18-year-old kid. And at the time, the biggest thing that I needed to transform or needed to really manage for myself was coming out as a young lesbian. I grew up in a small town of uh, 500 people, and um, my dad was the mayor of the city for 30 years running. Like, you know, we were just, (laughs) you know, everybody knew us. It was that, yeah, it was that kind of world. So we were always in this, on the spotlight, and I just couldn't, uh, there's no way I could come out. There's no way. And uh, in, in addition to that, I thought it was crazy. I really had it at the time that I was mentally ill because I was attracted to girls. Like, there was something wrong with me, and I was very clear about that. And that's a conversation that over time, um, you know, we talk about how, what we say to ourselves internally and externally, the dialogue that we run is part of, is an indication of what we believe about ourselves. And I used to say, I mean, I I used to say I was crazy all the time and I really believed it for a long time. And so my journey started out in a psychiatric unit and 
started because in, on that psychiatric unit, <clears throat> when I got there, I was so scared. I wouldn't talk to anybody. So I was there for like three weeks, and then they came to me and said, we're going to release you. And that terrified me because I did not want to be out in that world uh, trying to deal with this by myself and didn't have any tools. So I was just freaked out. But they said, you know, if you're not going to talk to us, we can't help you. And so that's when I learned that I had to ask for help and learn to talk. And I transformed. I mean, I'm a fast learner. That's one thing I'm really grateful for. And something that I uh, can say is one of my strengths and started at the age of 18 is being willing. Uh, when you're willing, doors will open up for you. And I just got willing. And so I started working with an art therapist. And, uh, of course, I thought it was bullshit at first. She'd have me draw my feeling spaces. Um, I was so transparent. I mean, you know, looking back, I'm like, it's so obvious. I was so transparent. But I was just like a real fuck you uh, to people and stay away from me and that kind of thing. And But over time, um, I really transformed. Transformed a lot of stuff and was able to come out. And the other thing that I was dealing with was grief. I had a sister that died when I was six years old. And uh, coming from a you know, enough of a dysfunctional family that we just didn't know how to deal with that. We didn't talk about it. And so I never got to grieve that. And so for me, that grief work in the hospital was also a real important part of my life. And it's another time when I learned that you cannot keep emotions uh, trapped inside you because they will explode you. And uh, that was part of the intense grief on top of trying to come out. Uh, for me, it was basically had me imploding. And so and so I started out in a psych ward, and then I got out of there, and at the time, I had been uh, drinking a lot through high school. I was a high school, basically a high school alcoholic, and at least I drank every weekend and every chance I could uh, all the way through high school. But, and so from the psych ward, then I went, got out of the psych ward and went straight into Alcoholics Anonymous, and I was clean and sober through Alcoholics Anonymous for five years. And again, just got really willing and pulled it towards me and became a big book thumper, like knew the big book backwards and forwards, still do. <laughs> I still know all that stuff. There's still really some powerful tools in AA. And uh, eventually I discovered that I wasn't an alcoholic. And how that came about was simply, you know, being in an inquiry as a young person in my t early 20s. I was 22, 23 years old. And I'd been sober for five years, and it occurred to me that maybe I was uh, had what I was dealing with was coming out. And now that I was out, I didn't have any desire to drink, and I was curious to see if that was something that would stay with me. So I went what they call an AA, going back out, um, I went back out and drank, and it was amazing to me because I had no desire to drink again or to you know like I didn't want alcohol <laughs> I didn't, right you know, right weird. you weren't like so thought, waiting well, for the what next really moment what happened was i'm such an al-anon you know like i'm i grew up in an alcoholic home and uh, my brother's an alcoholic and i was taking care of him by the time i was eight years old and um because you are the youngest of nine, nine correct? yeah youngest of nine yeah and my brother ahead of me was a full-blown alcoholic by the time he was 14 so uh i was taking care of him by the time i was eight and uh so really, once I got, I really got clear about the fact that I'm an Al-Anon, not an alcoholic, then that shifted my focus um, a lot around personal development and that kind of thing. And then, you know, I also just kind of forgot about it and went back into being 20-something, got back into school, graduated with my degree, kind of forgot about it, but started doing workshops and then started getting into communication because I majored in communication studies. I always found from the psych ward, it gave me this um, voracious appetite for human beings. Mm. There was something so fascinating about getting at such an early age, at the age of 18, being in a unit for six weeks with full-grown people who had all these psychotic and psychosis and depression. And I mean, I had a woman in there who had tried everything to heal herself from depression and she was going to do shock therapy. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, she was in there to do shock therapy. So, you know, I was exposed to stuff that most average American 18 year old girls are not exposed to. Um, but it gave me this deep love for human beings and fascination uh, of human beings and how we function in the world and, it just, I was fascinated and have always been. 
ever since then. Being in the psych ward was one of the biggest gifts that ever happened to me. Um, It's one of those times in your life when you're like, you know, people would think, God, that's a terrible thing. It was, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was <laughs> grounded me spiritually and it got me in this, in this, it to, to this day that has fed me my whole life is love of human being and what we do and how we function and how we operate. So in college, I started, I majored in interpersonal communication studies and I was out, I'd been out for a long time by that time and I was the president of the gay student organization and I started doing workshops around awareness of LGB at the time issues there wasn't a T really then we didn't talk about transgender then we were just talking about gays and lesbians and bisexuals then uh, and so we that started me in my world of being somebody who did this kind of work and then I graduated and survival mode kicked in <laughs> so I <laughs> seriously it's like I went brain damaged or brain you know like numb or something because I graduated I just needed a job and it never even occurred to me to find a job in that kind of Doing field something like, you loved yeah yeah, yeah. I, mean, I didn't think that way I just thought I need a job I just have to get insurance I have to pay the rent and I was right. coming from that place I've been on my own you know since I was very young and I had to pay the bills and it took me a long time to get my degree and I paid for it myself and you know I was just like I gotta get a job so I went went out in the world and worked in social service for a while I started out in at uh, a group of here in town that works with adults with developmental disabilities and um and then i hated i got burnout doing that i got beat up one too many times and uh then i went to work in the private sector and uh, in corporate america and really loved business found out i loved business business so that was fun for me and then um then we i moved to washington dc that was an interesting story because i so first time that I ever without knowing it spoke the word which now I talk about all the time. And Florence Scovelshin is one of my favorite authors that I refer to. And she wrote The Game of Life and How to Play It. And she talks about speaking the word. And she speak, spoke the word for her, for her clientele. And I speak the word for my clients. Now I just declare something is going to happen for them. And we get set an intention for that to happen. And at the time, I was here in town. And I wanted to leave Kansas. I wanted to leave Kansas my whole life. I just wanted to get out, yeah. do something, yeah. see something else. And like, you know be somewhere else but I couldn't figure out a way to do it I just could never save enough money and I um you know there was all, I was doing all kinds of things that stuff that isn't in the book you know I used to sell weed for a living that kind of stuff that I <laughs> not in the book we don't need to go there but uh, yeah but you know there was a whole other life happening and uh, I declared that someone is gonna I had this notion that I just had this like knowing and I said out loud someone is going to pay me to leave Kansas Someone will pay me to leave Kansas. And then what happened after I said that is, long story short, I outsourced my own job, saved the company like a million bucks, and they gave me a six-month severance package to leave. <laughs> I got, wow. got a paycheck for six months uh, to leave, move away. And they helped nice. me find a job. They, I mean, they were just fantastic, the company I worked for. So that was amazing. That's when I moved to Washington, D.C., and that was around the time that I was also starting to uh, transition or, or be, become conscious that uh, being a trans person was something that I really was. I'd always identified as a butch, um, but I, at this point, was starting to go back to that. When I went to college, I put on a dress, grew my hair out, and started wearing makeup and went back to the name Janet because I thought it was how I had to be successful. Right. I didn't think I could be successful and at least that was my motive at the time. And uh, I just did that. And so around the time that I graduated from college, I started to become conscious that there are other butch people in the world having a life. And I started to explore that. So the time I left Kansas, I was going by Jay and not, and I'd cut my hair and threw out all my boy clothes. And I was in that world of living or passing as male for the most part. And I moved to Washington, D.C., and lived in Washington, D.C. and started to transition and met my wife and got involved in that community. And then that was where a friend of mine referred my wife to the Landmark Forum, which is a personal development. We've talked about it on the podcast before. It's a personal development transformational program. My wife went through the Landmark Forum and then I did. And that reignited this spark in me for personal development that I had before I graduated from college and just had to find a job. <laughs> so right, yeah. back to that world. And I sat in a landmark forum for five minutes 
and knew this is what I was going to do for the rest of my life. I didn't know how, but I knew this was something I was going to be involved in. And it has evolved uh, to be this, you know, obviously what it is today. So then I became a coach. I tell that story in the book how I was, you know, complaining about my job. And a coach friend of mine told me to, said to me, Jay Pryor, as powerful a person as you are, you should shut up or do something about that. And out of my mouth spewed, well, if I knew what I wanted to do, I would do it. And she immediately said, you need to give that up. And for me, that literally stopped me in my tracks. I was walking and I stopped, I stopped walking and I thought, I need to give that up. I need to give up that I don't know what I want to do. And then it occurred to me that that's exactly what I needed to do, that I needed to give up that I didn't know. And so I started saying to myself, I know what I want to do. I'm just, I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I got committed to figuring it out. Eventually, long story short, someone recommended that I become a life coach. I'd never heard of that. And then I discovered life coaching. I went to school. I became a life coach. And little by little, I started coaching and doing the work of uh, the generic coaching that I'd been taught, all the other things that I'd gleaned along the way from AA and from every personal development program I'd ever done. And then I uh, came to Lawrence and I got introduced to the Unity Church, which is based in the New Thought movement from the early uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. And that blew my mind because I had been studying guys like Jack Canfield and Tony Robbins and you know all the all the all the master Napoleon Hill, Zig Ziglar, you know all the guys that are that are in that that world of uh, coaches and personal development. They had been my mentors. And I'd been listening to Abraham since 2003 because a coach of mine uh, recommended that I do that. And as soon as I listened to Law of Attraction stuff, that started clicking for me. So now here I am, I'm like getting introduced to New Thought, which is based on this concept of, you know, the, the spiritual concept of New Thought is that we are not separate from whatever you want to call your God. It's not like a raisin in a bun. You can't take it out. <laughs> it's, it's, it's your, if God is the ocean, you are a wave. You cannot take a wave out of the ocean, but the wave is an expression of the ocean. So that's that. I started to get that concept, and then some of the, the, the things that they, they were teaching me about affirmations and affirming affirmative prayer and paying attention to how we speak and what we want it just went with all the coaching stuff I'd learned all this time right it was a so right. they were all saying the same effing thing and I was yeah. like oh, <laughs> crap and I started having the bible come at me from a different perspective like a the bible looking at it as an evolutionary journey versus this mandated law of the lord you know all this crap that yeah. fed so I just started having all of this stuff come to me as like wow everybody's having the same conversation and nobody's listening <laughs> like it's all having the same they're all saying the same thing and so I started coaching from that perspective and having a lot of results and then eventually I uh, got you know one of the things I always have people do is get clear about what they want and one of the things I got clear about that I wanted was not to work with to start working exclusively with with women and because in my coaching what I had seen was women, and I started getting clear about my woman training versus my man training, because I'd been, mm -hmm. then, by now, I've been transitioned, and I'm living as perceived male for, you know, what, 10 years at this point, and so it was very obvious to me. I'd been living as a man, or perceived male for the last 10 years, and my, the training and how the world was treating me so differently I started being able to use in my coaching and it was so much fun for me because I was working with women and having them start to understand that the water they were swimming in of, the, of sexism and how we were trained as women really did affect them in business. So I started having fun with that and wanted to, you know, really have women get that, you know, what I started seeing is they were so fried. <laughs> you know, they were they were coming to me so fried and it was because they were trying to be mom and be like also the woman of the house and doing all the housework and taking care of their man and you know being mom and they wanted to be having a career full time and and everything everybody got served but them like it was the thing and for myself i knew that taking care of yourself first has to happen or you can't be there for other people. You can't do it. So initially I started coming from that place, like put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Mm 
And I, I want to go back a second because one of the things that happened before that or simultaneously as all that was coming around was I had a year that solidified for me what I would call almost like a hitting bottom uh, in terms of my inability to control. And that's one of the reasons that I love to work with women is I'm not saying that men aren't control freaks, but I do think that women, one of the ways they try to manage it all is to control it all. And for me, my 45th year of life, which I, I don't go into the 45th year of life in the book and I, I, because it's, I didn't think to, right? And I didn't speak it the way I can see it now. But that 45th year of my life, I turned 45, Jessica and I quit smoking, we got foster kids, my dog died, I donated a kidney, we got our first, we got our first placement that was now our son with special needs, my mom died, 13 days later we got our second placement who is our daughter now but was a two-year-old two that was severely traumatized at the time. A month later my cousin died the one I donated the kidney to. Oh, my God. I was a fucking mess. I... And, you think? And I couldn't put a thought together that didn't include how much I had screwed up uh, my life. I had always, throughout our relationship with Jessica and I, I always wanted a family because I'm the youngest of nine kids. I have a huge family. I love family. Being part of a big family has always just defined me. It's like, I don't know. I just love it. And so I wanted one of my own. I wanted my. I wanted a family. And then we got these little kids, and I hated it. And I couldn't control it. And I couldn't keep my house tidy. And I couldn't keep up. And all the conversation in my head was, what did you do? You have screwed yourself. And unfortunately, my wife had to deal with me being angry and freaked out and full of such grief that I couldn't even see straight. You know, I was so sad. Um Oh, my God. My I can only imagine. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. But it was so powerful now because how I transformed that was literally this work. It was literally the work that I teach now, which is being the observer of those thoughts and being unwilling to let those thoughts rule my day. Mm. And little by little, baby stepping out what I could believe so that I could transform that thought. Like taking it one baby step at a time. I went from, I hate my life, I can't freaking believe I did this to myself, to, you know, I want to be, I want to be a good dad. <laughs> I, want, right. I, I want to want this, actually, is how it started. I want to want this. And then it was, you know, with each kid, it was, please, God, let me be charmed by this child that I can't stand right now. <laughs> like, it was... <laughs> was all the shame too, right? All the shame around like how I had wanted this and then I hated it. And I'm, and you're supposed to love being a parent and people see you with kids for the first time and they're like, oh, how cute, how nice, how bad. And I'm like, I fucking hate my life. You know, it was, like, <laughs> it was not easy. And at the same time, I have my own business. I'm trying to run, you know, I mean, it was a mess. It was, it was crazy. But it was that year, my, I, that was 45 and I just turned 50. So it's really been the last five years that uh, have really solidified my work down so I could get it down into a nutshell. And if anything is unique, because what I tell people all the time is I'm not telling you anything that's not already out there. There are tons of coaches, there are tons of spiritual leaders, personal development leaders that are not going to say anything different that I'm saying. I'm a different container and if my container works for you and it's something that you you know you resonate with then follow me and if it doesn't go follow somebody else but find follow somebody <laughs> yeah follow somebody find what resonates with you cuz just letting yourself be a hu whacked out human is <laughs> doesn't work <laughs> just doesn't it's not going to have you be powerful only thing that i will say that i haven't heard anybody else say yet and i am sure they will cuz we're all connected is that to pay attention to literally the words that come out of your mouth because they are the clues to what you believe about yourself. And for me, that started way back when I heard myself say, I have to give up that I don't know what I want. And I had to start saying that what I want is on its way and believe it. And then, and then since then, as I'm talking to clients, I hear stuff fly out of their mouth and I know that that is linked to a belief they have about themselves. 
And so, so from there, I wanted to start seminars for women, but at the time I was focusing on this idea of putting the oxygen mask on yourself first because I could see that all these women I was working with, they're so, when, when they got busy, though, I mean, not that they were doing much self-care to begin with, right? But when they get busy, that's when the self-care would go out the window. I mean, they would put themselves last all the time. So it started that way. Um, I started doing seminars here in Lawrence, and we called them the Oxygen Series because it was all about putting the oxygen mask on yourself first. Then a year later after I did that, my friend Cheryl Miller, she's a coach and a colleague of mine and belongs to my spiritual entrepreneurs group, and she approached me one day and said, look, I have this extra ticket to Brendan Bouchard's Experts Academy. And I honestly believe that her words, not mine, that you could be like the next Tony Robbins if you just had the right marketing. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay, well, I'll check it out. Why not? And she was like, it's a, you know, all you need is $99 and it's three days and it's, we'll go to California. And I had been wanting to do some stretching myself around that. And so I went and it was really powerful. I'm a big fan. Uh, Brennan Bouchard is uh, not, he's different than I am. He's way high, high. I mean, to think I have high energy when I speak, this guy's like on fire. And he stayed on fire up for like four days straight, right? He was just amazing. But one of the things that he taught me was, first of all, do one thing. And as an entrepreneur, I had had a new idea. I have a new idea every day. <laughs> I had a new a new program or a new talk or a new something like every month, you know, that I was trying to, you know, I'd get bored and I'd go with that. And he made us promise that we would only do one thing for the next year. And while I was at his, uh, while I was at the Experts Academy and I was, I was taking his notes, I had a download uh, that... And for lack of a better word, download, because who knows where that stuff comes from. But I had this idea of lean inside. And I got the words lean inside, and I wrote it down in my notebook. And I thought, lean inside. Because remember, I focus on women, and I'm doing seminars for women already by this time. And all of the women are reading this book called Lean In, but they're fried. <laughs> they're so <laughs> We've been leaning the fuck in. Give me a break. They've been leaning in. They've been leaning in. They've been leaning in. They're about to kill themselves from leaning in. They're so fried. Yep. And none of it speaks to them being gentle with themselves and loving themselves. And none of it comes from the that inner being, personal, spiritual work that I know is so important. And so... Yeah. I, and if anything, it's the opposite. It's like... It, there was this feeling that like all of a sudden I started punishing myself in a new way. Like yeah. I thought I'd been doing this, but maybe I'm not. And maybe all this time I've been, sac you know, I've been screwing myself over and it's not because of all this other stuff. It's because I'm not doing enough. Right. And so I literally just beat the crap out of myself yeah. after I read that book. Yeah. And human beings. And I mean, I always say women in particular, but I think human beings will always find a way to make themselves wrong. But I do believe that personal, even personal development work. I mean, I, some of you try to do this perfect, you know, that's why I'm constantly with the progress, not perfection. Uh, so the lean inside, I just got it. I was like, it's, this has to be about leaning inside. It's not about leaning in. It's about leaning in. It's everything you need to succeed is within you. And that's something that, you know, every, again, every my unity church, landmark tony i mean every personal development person is gonna ultimately tell you that right you don't have you're whole and perfect just the way you are there's just barriers to that expression like everybody's saying that everybody's talking about that um and but i like i can you say that again the way that you just said it because i think that that's one of my things that that struck me so much because of the way you specifically said it everything everything you need to succeed is within you yeah yeah Everything you need to succeed is within right, you. Right, right. And that, you know, because that inner being, right, my belief, and it, it, you know, it depends on what you believe. My belief is that inner being is the part of us that's connected to everything. And we're all connected. And so when, and we're an expansive universe. And so that inner being has access to every piece of wisdom you could ever need, every piece of everything. And when I my biggest strength is I have a huge faith when I need to know something. I was just sharing with this, sharing this with a friend of mine this morning. 
when the last the shootings that have happened um, and the murders of black people in our country over the last couple of weeks have had me in a powerful inquiry around the fact that I haven't done boots on the ground activism in a while. It's, I'm a speaker and I do that kind of thing. And most of my activism has been around LGBT stuff. I've never been out there, you know, as an activist for ra about race or racism. And this has really called to me around wearing this man skin, white man skin. I have a huge privilege here and I need to do something with it. And so when I have a nudge like that, I just say, show me, help me, help me figure this out, whatever it is, and something shows up. And so, so far, you know, I've went to a meeting last week that I'm going to go back to this week. And I'm, and for me right now, what's mine to do is to show up and shut up and maybe get there early and set up chairs because I want to be of service. But I'm get, being nudged and guided all along the way. But all I had to do was ask, like, what's mine to do? And it will, if you pay attention, it will show up. And every time I've ever had any kind of challenge, that's what I do is go inside because I know that everything I need to succeed, to succeed is within me. So that's what leaning inside is about and why I called it Lean Inside. And especially I knew that it would, for women who had read Lean In, that would resonate with them. And I knew a lot of women had read Lean In. And I didn't by any means want to bag on Sheryl Sandberg. I really think she's a powerful woman. And she was coming from a very powerful place. I just saw so many women not take that the right way. <laughs> like, right. Well, and I think that she's changed, she's changed her tune as well since becoming a single mom. Yeah, and I know. And bless her heart. God, I love. I mean, I would love to. to could we get her on a podcast? Because Hell yeah. I would so love to talk to that woman. She is uh, uh, just a p tower of strength and a huge role model for women. And so I didn't want ever to, uh, you know, not acknowledge her for, for her intention. Her intention was to shine a limelight, which she did, on the discrepancy between women who are running the country in terms of corporate America and men. And I think she did a good job of that. I just saw so many women coming to me who just read that book and been leaning in and leaning in and were fried and exhausted and just a mess. And so once I start with that, those kind of clients, once we shift to have them start leaning inside and putting themselves first and really, really putting the oxygen mask on themselves first, and start focusing on that inner being and that spirituality work, boy, they're, they're already powerful in their corporate worlds. They're already powerful women. They start to take over the world. I mean, they just get crazy shit. Start, they start manifesting like crazy. I mean, I, it's like tuning a dial. And that's one of my favorite things when I have somebody come to work with me who is really a powerful woman already. She's just a little fried out because she's been, you know, grinding it out, trying to lean in. And then we, take a step back and get a different perspective and it's like tuning a dial and she'll start manifesting like crazy and then once that happens she starts to see how it works and then she's off and off to the races it's just so fun to so fun to watch so that's pretty much how it all came about the other thing that brendan bouchard he showed me a formula for you know how to put it into steps and he's great about saying you know like it doesn't matter if step two has five million steps <laughs> like people people what sells and what people want is like a seven-step process or a three-step pro, whatever it is, you know, you just pick it. Um, I chose, uh, I just, so I just started looking at my formula and started writing and breaking it down so that I could make it as simple as possible. It all comes from that world of how we believe it will go is how it will go. It's our beliefs that live in us from the time we're babies until whenever we, and we're, and we're blind to them. We can't see them. What, what we can see and start to become conscious of is what we speak that flies out of our mouths that leads us to those beliefs. Or we can start looking at areas of our lives that aren't working and start to analyze what is this evidence of. You know, if I've got, right. a, if I've got an area in my life that's not working, I just listened to our, our podcast with Caitlin, which I really enjoyed, by the way. And, you know, Caitlin's really great about saying, you know, I had all this evidence to support my story that my this woman's trying to take my baby <laughs> and I kept gathering new evidence and so sometimes when we're working with somebody and they tell me this big long story 
I say, okay, if you could be a third person and look at that, if you were trying to prove something or be right about something or have, you know, what would this all be evidence of? But that it's, it's diff, that can get convoluted. It's hard to have people grasp that. So I did my best to just break it down as simple as possible to have people get like the words that are coming out of your mouth, the thoughts you think, all of that is the momentum creating this swirl or this world that you have it also incorporates a law of attraction and i believe that everything's energy and that you know we are a vibration and that we attract vibrations that are like us uh, and that what we manifest in our lives is whatever vibration we're holding and that's how it shows up that gets really complicated for people who haven't done any work and it kind of freaks people out sometimes so I try to totally. be as simple as possible and say, I don't care if you believe it, but if you just start to you practice some of these tools, you're going to find you're having a lot of power in your life, and then that's all I care about. I just want people to be powerful. Yep. And that really inspires me to have people access a new level of power that they hadn't had before. And so I've been studying human beings since I was 18 years old, and uh, this book is... The first book, I mean, you know, what happens when you write a book is then you have all the stuff you didn't put in or all the things that you learn <laughs> afterwards. You know, there's t tons of stuff that I wish I would have said. And one of the things I think that's the most important right now in our evolution of humans as things are starting to build around personal development is that you, and again, we, we talked about this on one of our podcasts where I was quoting Teal Swan saying, you cannot positive think your way out of trauma. And I do think that sometimes people use the think that, like the law of attraction, can deal with some of the severe trauma that they've experienced, and they but that's trapped in their body, so they they can't. I mean, there's there is you just can't positive think you're. That's for therapists. I mean, those are good therapists that can help you get up under that stuff. That's not coaching. That's a different world. And you know, we have a nation of pretty severely traumatized people. Our whole culture has been set up to have power over people. And so we have people dealing with lots of trauma. And sometimes I think that it gets collapsed with personal development and what they can do to be powerful when there's stuff to heal first. And I'll tell people, go work with a therapist for a couple of months and then come back to me. Or sometimes I work with people who are seeing a therapist in tandem with me, but I'm not a therapist. Right. And I want to make that very clear. You cannot heal trauma through positive thinking and affirmations and undoing beliefs. I mean, there's some of that to do with trauma, but it's not about that. you got to get in there and relive it and heal it. And I've done all that work myself, too. I'm a sexual abuse survivor. I'm a, I was raped in, as a girl. I mean, I've been through my shit, obviously. I'm a trans person. I'm a queer person. I've been spit on, hit, you know. I mean, I've been through yeah. some shit as a queer and I've dealt with that, but with therapy and the, got that cleared out and then could move into this world of personal transformation that's a little different than that. And I think that's such an important distinction. I do too. Um, because I think that a lot of people will come to me and they'll say, you know, God, I'm so depressed or I'm just, I cannot get past this or I'm having so much, you know, can you refer me to Jay? Or like, what do you think? Would that be something that I could work with Jay around? And I'm like, nope. No, nope. that's a different that's a different thing, and he's going to tell you the exact same thing. You need to go heal yourself before you can start to really turn things around. Yeah. And I and I know for myself, um, there were some things that I got an inquiry about in personal development that I realized because of personal development work yeah. and got getting an inquiry around that I hit upon some big yeah. hurts yeah. and some big you know, things that I needed to work through. Right. Um, and those then I could work through in therapy yep. while in conjunction continuing to, you know, reframe and work towards um, a new um, a new focus for my life through personal development work. So it was definitely, I think that they are set things that work in conjunction with each other. I agree. And I have therapists that I work with. I mean, I, I just had one. first time was really interesting. I had a therapist have a client uh, sign a release that, that the therapist could talk to me. Ah. So I have a client that works with this therapist, and this therapist got in touch with me. And she and I, she just wanted to see if we were on the same page and how we, what our approaches were. And it was really powerful conversation. 
because she didn't even understand that we were working on business and we were working on, you know, manifesting, you know, and this particular person who is incredibly powerful and doing a lot of stuff, we were really manifesting business and, and at the same time, obviously I'm telling her, you know, and I'm using mindfulness and these tools to have her be conscious of what she's thinking and speaking and creating, but I'm not dealing with a relationship with her mom at that level. Right. Like that's yours. Right. <laughs> she's like, oh, yeah. oh good. I got that. Like, yeah, thanks. Cause I don't want to do that. I'm not a therapist, nor do I want to be a therapist. Like that part can get too much. I don't want to, I just have no desire. Um, I do love it when I, when somebody hits a hard spot like that and I can support them around reframing, like I did with Caitlin, we did a lot of reframing from her past. Uh, and that isn't, that wasn't, it's not therapy. Right. It's different. Well, and I think too, I think too, um, one of the things that I used to do with my therapist was I, because of who I was as, you know, as I was showing up in the world and I was leaning in and I was perfection, not, you know, I was like trying to be perfect all the time. I mean, I would go to my therapist and I would pay them 120 bucks and sit there and lie my ass off and be like, everything's great. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I really worked through that. Yes, I really appreciate your thoughts around that. And Or I would say things like, you know, like something wouldn't be working and it, I would start to talk about it. And then I would be like, oh, I don't really want to talk about that right now. You know, or, you know, I would still hide from it. And so it wasn't until I got into personal development work where I started to see that I could change my life if I dealt with my shit yeah. that I went, oh, okay, it's not just about like talking it out and like, okay, now I feel better because I told somebody else. It was like, okay, I've got to work through some of this stuff in order to keep on this path. And so it, it actually helped me to work through things in a whole different way because I wasn't, I wasn't, I would, I had already transformed so much of my life yeah. that now I was like greedy for a little bit. You know, I was like, now I want more. Sure. Now I'm ready. Yeah. Like, I don't think I could have ever been as successful in therapy without personal development. Right. And I, I agree. And I, and I, and so that's why I, I try to, there's also, I have a, an issue that I'm continuing to transform for myself around therapists, because I do think that we have a little bit of a world of therapists where there's a poor baby, I'll pat you on the head kind of a thing. And that doesn't serve people. They got to move through it and get it, you know, but I also believe that it lives in us. It lives in our body. If we've experienced trauma and there's a place to go back, revisit that, get clear, get clean. And a good therapist is good at taking you there and then walking you out powerfully. And I found a couple of good therapists that I refer people to. Uh, and I'm always open and looking for um, people to refer people to. Cause if I hit that with somebody, I'm going to refer them to a therapist. It's not my deal. It's not, does not work. <laughs> you're like no he doesn't want to be a therapist no. and I was like I totally understand that yeah, yeah. no interest no. and I will say that I you know early on because how healthy I you know that a coach attracts whoever whatever in their clearing um, you know whatever shows and I know this this is just like I'm always creating my own world and so I'm creating all my clients I'm creating all of you I'm creating all of this and so in early on in my coaching I did attract people who wanted to be fixed more than more than that they're already powerful and we're going to take something on and that was an evolution of my own transformation my own you know personal development my own self-esteem my own love of myself all of that the more I transformed the more powerful people I attracted I totally get that yeah well I think you said something to me the other day because I sent you a text message or something like I don't know how you do this like how do you because I was sort of walking some a friend of mine through some stuff and I was like, God, I'm just exhausted. Yeah. I just am emotionally spent. I just, uh, what? how do you not take this on? Uh -huh. And you're like, they need a therapist, right. not a coach. They need a therapist. And I, That's right. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. No, no, I totally get it. Because, yeah, it was not stuff that was going to be coachable. It was like, you need some help here, dear. And I can't do that because yeah. I was just like dead. Yeah. And certainly there are ways that, and things occasionally when somebody's dealing with something that they just have some story running if you can get them to see that that's their story that's powerful but it's still not gonna be enough to have them if it's trauma they're not gonna be able to turn it around right. without 
getting in there and dealing with it. Um, but it is powerful sometimes to have people see the story that they're creating. But if you've got somebody who isn't, you know, one of the things about the reason I, people pay me a lot of money to do this, right? So they're coming, paying me good money to help. They're going to be coachable. They're going to be, they're going to be willing. And that's part of coaching mm -hmm. is like you show up with skin in the game because you're paying good money for this. And so yeah. that's the difference, too, between like in therapy, if their insurance is covering it or whatever, you know, people can show up. And, and that's what I said. I, you know, like I said, I used to have to like drag people to their greatness. I don't do that anymore. People show up already really powerful, knowing they're powerful, knowing they just have to tweak a few things to create something new or we're going to create something new. And then they hop in the game with me and, and, you know, a few sessions we're flying, which is fantastic. And that's what I love about my job. Um, but it's definitely transformed over time as I've transformed. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it also is helpful for people who are listening who might be thinking, okay, and I think sometimes the more that you struggle with a certain um, area of this work, the more that you've got something that you're sitting on that's not letting you get past it. Yeah. Um, and that might be another, you know, just get real, just get an inquiry around it, yeah. you know, just really start to look at it. And then I think that once you start to really examine it, you can see where you're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah what you're supposed to be doing. And all of these tools will serve you no matter what. Well, all of these tools will serve you no matter what. I mean, if, even if you're on a crazy train, if you, if you start, I mean, the first thing that, you know, and maybe we'll talk about this next time because it seems like we're, we're almost out of time. But, you know, the very first thing we always start with is integrity, right? That's step one is getting committed, right? We say we're in it to win it. We're on, we're, we're on board. Right? And step two, step yeah. two is getting to a happy place by owning all of it. And that is about integrity. The whole, all of step two is about integrity. That's where, you know, Caitlin and the next one coming up with Sam, I mean, those, those are the places. And so even if you're on a crazy train, learning to be impeccable with your word and do what you say and giving up gossip and being somebody of integrity is never going to hurt you. <laughs> like it's only going to, it's always going to serve you. But it may, but you might need that plus a good therapist and maybe a good, you know, energy worker and a massage therapist. And, you know, I could go on and on and on. The people it I, takes I a village. <laughs> so I guess that's, that would be my question. I was going to say, you know, as we sort of wrap this up, we've got step one, which is commit, make the commitment. Yeah. And committing to progress, not perfection, and never getting off the horse, right? That's the thing about this work that is so powerful that we just don't stop, right? You can take a day off and pull the covers up over your head and don't make yourself wrong for that because we actually believe that's good for you, right? That sometimes there's just days, right? When it's like, fuck that, I'm going to eat bonbons and watch TV all day. Exactly. Big deal, right? As long as you don't make yourself wrong for that, God and it doesn't become every day. Good on you. Yeah. 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 I mean, and it's... Self-care. Yeah. It's just whatever it takes, but it's always getting back on that horse. And, you know, I had a client that... I love this analogy. We were talking about this the other day. I had a client recently. And this happens sometimes when I'll start working with a client and they'll start getting in an inquiry of their lives and what their open stuff is opening up. And because they're in this, you know, starting to really examine their lives, life happens to them like something happens that's devastating or hard for them to do you know something happens and in this case you know one of my clients you know husband's mom died or I can't remember now but it was like something big happened and uh, she was having a tough day and a couple tough days and didn't want to work and kept making herself wrong for that and I was like look here's the deal today all I want you to do is approach the horse and maybe brush it <laughs> like you don't have to get back yeah. on the horse just go give the horse a good brushing like just do one thing for yourself just do 10 minutes of work today just t baby steps like being kind and gentle with yourself is the other thing that maybe I go too far with it sometimes but I don't why are we here I mean why are we on this planet are, is there can anybody tell me no one no one person can tell me why we're here so if you can't tell me why we're here then you can't tell me that there's any reason to beat the crap out of yourself over anything and oh, so what i have decided is like if i can get you to be kind to yourself because here's what i know 
is how you are to yourself is how you are to the world. And we think people who are nasty out there are mean and nasty. You should hear their inner dialogue. They are so mean. They're triple mean to themselves. So if I can get you to be kind to yourself, I know that you're going to show up in the world as a kind and loving and generous person, and that's what we want. And so really step one is about committing, but it's not committing to grinding it out and always being on top of it. And that's bullshit. It's committing to chipping away at our highest at everything that's not our highest best self through progress not perfection progress <laughs> like so yes. for some people progress is getting their asses out of the bed for some yeah. people progress is you know straight a's for some people progress is accepting a b for, you know i mean everybody's progress is different but it's about just staying in the game of personal development and that's all it is. That's all I want from people is just get in the – that's step one. Just commit and commit to yourself that you are on this path and you're going to have to keep reminding yourself because you're going to go unconscious. But just that first step is commit. And then the second step is getting happy by owning all of it. And that whole thing serves two purposes. Number one, it's about integrity, as I just said, because integrity creates a workable condition, right? Integrity is workability. When you have your life in integrity, we, we want to play a big game. We don't want you thinking about little piddly-ass shit, right? I want you, right. I want your head, what I say in the seminar is I want you to be playing such a big game that you can't keep it in your head. If you can keep all your appointments in your head, you're playing a small game, right? I want you to play a big game, so you have to have a, an, a, an existence system, an alarm that goes off that tells you where you're going. you got to keep a calendar. But you don't want to, if all you're focused on is that piddly little shit, like you're fo constantly focusing on that stuff, you don't have time for the bigger stuff. You don't have time to open a school or, you know, take on all the, the worlds that we need. And so, yeah. first of all, it serves the purpose of getting integrity. Second of all, it serves the purpose of raising your vibration of happiness. Because we are creating all the time, whether you believe you're creating your life or not, I don't care. I know you are. <laughs> I, you're creating it and I yeah. believe it and you're creating from wherever you are so what I want is you to be happy so you're creating from a high vibration because then you're focusing and creating on what you want rather than what you don't want so step two serves those two purposes it gets you integrity in integrity and then it gets your vibration higher and gets you coming to a, from a happy place and really taking on your life and being ha having your how you feel and your happiness being a priority when that's a priority and you're coming from that place, you're going to have a lot more fun creating what you want. Yeah. 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 And I think that those are two areas um, that I, when I first, when I first started working through it, um, the commitment part to me was actually really hard. And I don't think that people... I think people say to themselves, okay, like they get the their latest self-help book or whatever, and then they they do it for, you know, you might be really into it for a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. and then you're like, eh, you know, this really isn't working the way that I want it to work, right. or this isn't what it is, and this is a lot of work or whatever, and so you stop, and then you're like, well, that didn't work. You know, I've tried it all. I've done all the things, you know, and and really it's that commitment part and really being real about the commitment part. It's not a I'm going to do this for two weeks and then I'm going to take a break for two weeks and then I'm going to get back on the horse for two weeks and then I'm going to, mm, you know, maybe a couple of months I'll uh, I just can't deal with it. I'm too busy. I'm just going to not deal with it. And so then, you know, it really is like making that commitment to yourself. And so I think that what we should do is in our group, our Facebook group, um, doing the work with Jay and Becca, I'm going to start a thread. And I want it to be our commitment thread. And I think mm. that sometimes just writing it down, just like telling somebody else that you're committing, like getting with an accountability, um, is, is so helpful yeah. just to be able to look back and say, I told other people I was going to do this. Yeah. And I told myself I was going to do this. It's like right here on this date. Yeah. So I'm going to have everybody just commit, yeah. just commit to the process of walking through it with us for this next, you know, few weeks as we go through the book and, um, and go through each step, commit to the process with us today, go sign up, let, you, let us know that you're part of it. And then we can just keep accountable to each other throughout the whole process yeah. on the Facebook page. Yeah. And in the book and in the seminar, I have people write a letter 
which I say is a letter from their higher self to their small, kind of putting it on alert because it's your ego and it's your small. It's that little nasty roommate in your head that's going to always try to derail you from this. Like, this is bullshit, man. I can't believe I'm doing, you know, all that crap. It'll just, it'll just go. Um, and so it's really like in the, in the seminar and in the book, I asked people to write a letter. And the reason I did that is that comes back. See, I've drawn on everything from the time I was 18. My first therapist uh, in the right out of the hospital, had me write a letter to myself that I dealt with the rape that I experienced, because she knew that as a, as you know, psyches will have stuff just keep coming up, and so I had a dated letter that I had in my journal. It was like this is handled, <laughs> like I've you know, and now granted it wasn't like I. What I know now is I had to expel it from my body this past year. That came up for me again, and my body literally. I was, well, you knew that. I couldn't lift my leg. <laughs> and it turned out that that's what was going on. It was a lot of that stored up trauma in my body. So there's there's more to do, but I, I think it's powerful to make a declaration. And, you know, our country was founded on a declaration. When we get married, it's a declaration. You know, stating a declaration that I am in it is very powerful. And that, that would be great, I think, on the Facebook page to just have people commit. And committing to progress, not perfection, because, there's again, there's going to be days when you're like, not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. That's all right. Yep. So don't. Yeah. Just and don't beat yourself you up, screw up. wrong for it. Yeah. And I think that that's the big other part of it is that it's, you know, it's like the whole diet. Like I ate a cookie today, so therefore my diet's ruined. I can't, I'm going to have to start again next Monday. Right. You know? Right. Um, so it's like, okay, I ate a cookie today. Or you just. And now I'm going to be fine. Yeah. You know, and tonight I'm going to have a salad. Here's what happened. I it's not a big today. deal. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And That's we it. talked That's about the this in the book of, of that, that year of 45 that, that I talked about earlier. What ultimately came out of that that is in the book that I share is the day that I realized I didn't make the coffee and what a freak I was. And, yeah. and asking myself, if you never get it right, can you love yourself anyway? Yeah. And that question I for me, that. and I've had people, I've had men even read my book and email me and say, boy, that question, if I never get it right, can I love myself anyway? Nobody's ever asked me that before. And uh, that's the that's what I'm talking about is that level of commitment that it's like you're gonna fail <laughs> you're not gonna do this perfectly you're gonna fail and so I learned to practice constant what I say constant forgiveness forgiveness can be a little triggering for people who have been inundated with uh, religion in their lives so I don't want to trigger anybody but it, you can call it constant acceptance uh, whatever it's just about like a constant daily minute by minute. I give up the guilt for it because I'm going to fail. Yeah, turning it over. Turning it over. I'm, I'm going to give up. Yeah. I'm going to give it up because I'm going to, I'm going to fail. I'm not going to do this. Perfect. Well, if I'd like to talk about, if we're going to have this really be about committing and have everybody commit, then next let's talk about step two, which may take two times. Step two is big. Yeah. But we'll post the, and then when we do step two, we can post the happiness and productivity workout because that's. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that that's available the, to people. Just, it's on my website. Step two you can go is to my big. website and get a free happiness and productivity workout download. Yeah. Go to, yeah. Perfect. I'll put that as a link in the show notes as well okay. so people can start doing that now if they'd like to. Because I think that, I think that step two looks deceivingly simple. It does. It does. And yeah. it's huge <laughs> um, and it's never ending. It, yeah, you can never and done with step two, and I want people to get that. Never, yeah, never constant, done with step constant, two. Constant. It's a constant process. Yeah, and so I think that that's a good one to spend some some good time on. Yeah. So we'll yeah. be back then with our step two, which um, so um, and if you have any questions about what we talked about today, please feel free to you know e let us know via the website at jandbecca.com or on our Facebook group doing the work with Jay and Becca, um, please feel free to join it. Um, and we'd love to, you know, share your questions, your comments, your thoughts about what we've been talking about. I think this more than ever is going to be a place where we can really get the discussion going um, and have those questions going back and forth between each other. Um, Cause that's what we're doing here. We're, we're here as your support network as well as your guides. So um, hope to see you around the Facebook group. Absolutely. Thank you, Becca. All right. Thanks, Jay.
All right, well, thank you so much for joining us on Doing the Work with Jay and Becca. We hope that you got a little slice of practical transformation that you can use in your personal and business life. And here's what we want to leave you with. Whether you are just starting on this journey of practical transformation and just starting with baby step affirmations just to focus you in a direction of loving yourself, or whether you've been doing this work for a long time and you can literally say, I am thrilled with the path my life is on, wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with right now, you're right where you're supposed to be. The thing that's in front of you is the thing that's going to have you at your most powerful once you accomplish it. And what I know and what we know is if you're willing to take baby steps with progress, not perfection, and just staying on that horse, you're going to get there. And we're going to get there with you. So thanks for being with us. Now, don't forget to go and subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Let us know what you think. And reach us at info at doing, uh, sorry, info at jayandbecca.com. And that will let us know if you have any topics you want us to cover or anybody you want us to interview. Maybe you. You can reach us on our Facebook page too, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. So um, that's just facebook.com slash jayandbecca. All right. We'll see you around next time. Bye, Join us.